Hi, welcome to Podcast 38, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's. I'm your host, Warren Butfinick. Today we're introducing, introducing a new feature to our Help with Parkinson's website. It's about caregiving. And her name is Diana Budvinick. Hi, Diana. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. If you want to tell us about yourself, start off with how old are you? I am 60 years old. I'll be 61 in September. Okay. And how do we know each other? We're married. We've been married since 2009, but we've known each other, I would believe, a little bit longer than that. So I would say, how many years do we know each other? Depends. Um, I want to say, what, 15 to 20 years? About that. And yeah. the, last, the last time we met up with each other, for, for this time we're together right now, it was just about the time I got diagnosed. Yes, you got diagnosed in, what, 2009 or 2006? 2006. No, yeah, so you got diagnosed in 2006 and we got married in 2009. Right, but we stayed together all that time. Correct. Okay, so uh, could you just explain to us a little bit so, like, who you're caring for, maybe more than me, maybe less than me? Yeah, okay, so for right now, we were together actually caregiving um, our granddaughter, Mia. Mia's my oldest daughter's daughter. And she actually came to live with us when she was seven, but she was turning eight. So she was eight years old and she actually just moved with her aunt on March 18th of this year. So, and she's 15 years old. So we were caregiving for seven years an eight-year-old up until the time she's 15. So we have that. I'm also caregiving, doing long-distance caregiving for my mother, who is actually 80. She'll be 83 in about seven days. And I've been caregiving for her, long-distance caregiving since October of 2018 when she moved to San Antonio, Texas. And... I'm not, I don't know, caregiving for you since you have Parkinson's, but you would say I'm not caregiving, but I would say in a way I am, I'm emotionally supportive, which is caregiving. And you also do all the driving. Oh, that's right. I actually forgot about that. That's a, that's <laughs> and I a pretty do major part. Driving. I forget. And as we speak, um, I also babysit my grandson will be two in July and he is now napping so those are all my caregiving jobs okay so that brings us to the next question okay what's your goals for the future well I know you've had your podcast and your podcast is going really well I want to do a podcast but mine will be on the caregiving side and seeing that I have so much experience with caregiving because I was actually doing the numbers as to how long I've been caregiving. And because I am Hispanic and come from a large family, my first memory of caregiving, I was actually eight years old. And I was caregiving for, um, come from a family of eight, but I was caregiving for three of, three of my siblings. My little sister, Kathy, who was two at the, at the time, my brother, George, who was three, and my other brother, Donald, who was four. 
and I was kind of in charge of caregiving and taking them to preschool and picking them up and doing that, plus caregiving at home, seeing that I'm the oldest girl of a Hispanic family, usually that role falls to the girls. So I've been caregiving technically for 53 years. And you forgot about one person that you took care of for a while. Well, I also took care of my father. Besides that? Uh, well, be, well, after I took care of my brothers and sisters, I actually cared for Raquel, who was five years old at the time. She actually came to live with me. And that was back in 1979. After that, in 1979, I was caregiving for my granddaughter, who is 20 now, but she was four years old at the time. And I was actually doing week on and week off with her father. So I caregiver for her from the time she was four up until the time she was 11. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're talking about Sierra. Right. But I, I basically was trying to track all the times I've been caregiving my whole life between my dad, Raquel, Sierra, Mia, and to the present day. And which one is the most difficult that you had experience? In caregiving? Yes. Wow. It would have been Sierra because I was actually by myself. And I was also fighting custody for her. And so, so, so you know what it's like to be a caregiver by yourself. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That is, that is like the most difficult thing to do. And I think the most, even of that, the most difficult, you mentioned it, is somebody that has... No caregiver. Correct. Yeah, I, I somebody that's alone. know what that's like, somebody who's totally by themselves. I imagine that, how difficult that must be for, for somebody who doesn't have anybody. Right. And I know you're always concerned about those people. So that's part of the reason why you're doing this uh, broadcast. Oh, definitely. I'd like to um, find out all the, the resources since I do a lot of research and everything. Um, and on top of that, being Hispanic, I'd kind of like to do some podcasts for for Hispanics as far as giving out information for them because I know how difficult it is because I used to translate for my mother as a kid. So I know how difficult that is. Right. And this also ties into the uh, the other half, the one I take care of. We finally got our nonprofit certification. So we're going to be able to help out people like the the caregivers that have problems or people that need a little assistance more on a personal level because we realize that the, the most, most of the uh, charities give large donations to research, but we're going to have ours, our purpose is to give it to the individual, not, not just money, but uh, technology and uh, ways of listening to the, the broadcast at home if you don't have a computer and also being able to go to the, uh, the meetings if you can't go there we'll be able to broadcast it into your house. So th those are the plans we have. And that ties into the caregivers because they don't really get a chance to go out that much. Is that true, honey? Oh yeah. They definitely have a hard time getting it, getting somebody together and podcasting is becoming so popular now that even educating caregivers on podcasting is going to be a tremendous help for them when we go out there and, um, start talking to people and start showing them how to listen to podcasts because it won't matter if you can't go to a support group meeting, depending on the, t on the subject, 
you know, we're hoping that we'll have uh, topics on particular subjects that they can look into, especially locally here. So when they're looking for information, whether it be on the website, but basically on the podcast. Right. And uh, it's not just listening to it as a podcast. I, my goal is to have them listen to it and discuss live from their house to the support group meeting. So they're actually, yeah. part, so they're actually a part of it. That, yeah, that, 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 would nice. that would be really great. I would love to be able to do uh, support group meetings online even locally, even if it was to be, you know, two people, three people until it grows for the people who, who have questions. Right. Cause right now we're, we're actually in the same house talking in two different rooms on this, uh, on this, a uh, zoom, zoom, uh, software and it works really well. So we should have no problem doing this in a support group meeting. Right. And you, you were saying, I guess, because you know about this program, that there can be a certain amount of people on here? Oh, it's, it's limitless. Oh, which is perfect. Yeah, the free, the free version, you could have one-on-one, -on -one, unlimited. And the, uh, if you have more than one person talking, so let's say three people, then it's only good for 40 minutes. But uh, okay. after, that, after that, if you pay a nominal fee, then it's good for, for a long period of time. So that, that's the goal is to be able to get to that level. And help more right. But starting off, it wouldn't be so bad if, you know, we can facilitate and, and know the, the topic that we're going to discuss. That way, when people chime in, they know that we're talking about a particular topic and we can at least get it out there for right. them. Right. And we, we keep getting a lot of good feedback about the uh, podcast we have. So I'm sure when you add your podcast, it'll, it'll be twice as good. I hope so. I hope so. Because... Uh, as far as with the Parkinson's, you know, the group that's getting diagnosed, they're pretty young and they are computer savvy, I would think. Right. The ones, that, the ones that are getting diagnosed, let's say, as of now. And also, as the people live longer, there's going to be, they're calling it almost like a pandemic of uh, Parkinson's disease in the next 10, 15 years. And I'm trying to get, get ahead of that. And have the infrastructure to help more people that can't get out. Right. Right. And we're very lucky. Right. We're lucky the fact that you're a pharmacist. Yeah, that helps. I would, I would be very lost. I would be so lost if you weren't a pharmacist because I don't know a thing about drugs. And, and I would assume that a lot of caregivers are going through that with whoever they're caregiving with. Yeah, a lot of people I talk to about their medication on Parkinson's, they don't really have a good understanding of it, and they usually end up taking too much or too little. They don't understand how cr critical it is to take the exact same amount you're supposed to exact same time. But you know, if you feel bad taking more, if you feel good taking less, it's a very bad idea. And it's yeah. unless the spouse is there as the caregiver, a lot of people they'll just do that, and it's up to the spouse to fill up those little mediplanner boxes. Right. But, uh, that's that's not as easy as it sounds. We I, I've done that at work, and it's it takes a lot of concentration because you don't want to make a mistake. Because those boxes are those little plastic trays with the cap with the little flip tops on it. And once you put it in there, you really don't know what the drug is. You have to trust that it's correct. So it's a lot of responsibility. So that that brings it to the next question for you. Mm -hmm. what, what would make things easy for you? 
or easier for you? Well, just the fact of knowledge. Knowledge helps. That would make it easier. And I, I, we've been doing that ever since you got diagnosed. And, oh, my gosh, the, the stuff that's out there is so much of it. There's so many websites with information about Parkinson's. But the thing, is, the thing about Parkinson's is just because I read on one thing and, and because I live with you and your Parkinson's doesn't mean that the person we meet has the same issues because it's like, it's like being a snowflake. Everybody's different. Not one, two person is the same when it comes to their diagnose, which I think that's why it's so hard. Is that, I mean, does that make any sense? Yeah. As far as, I, I mean, I mean, because I can talk about us and about how, how your day goes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if I tell somebody else, if you do this, this, and this, it's going to work the same because they're different. Their right. Parkinson's may be different. Right. Well, that's, so that's to bring us to the next question here, kind of ties in. Explain what a typical day is for you right now. Oh, wow. Typical day. Well, it depends. Um, since I am babysitting, I try to go to bed early so I get enough hours. Um, I wake up sometimes about 3, 3.30. I know that Miles, my grandson, comes here about 4.30. I basically stay with him because I've been watching him since he was born. I stopped working what, almost two years ago? Mm -hmm. um, so I watch him, stay downstairs, watching him for a while, giving him breakfast. Right now he's napping. By the time he gets up, I'll be doing lunch. We'll do lunch every now and then. I mean, because you basically take care of yourself. Either if I have time, I make lunch for everybody or you yourself. You've been doing lunches, you know, like when you used to go to work. You would have like these, these steam lunches that you would do. And that helps tremendously because that doesn't mean I have to always be doing breakfast, lunch. So you end up taking care of that part while I'm taking care of the baby. He usually leaves about 1.30. But my day can vary. I mean, we have, he has two therapists, physical and occupational therapy that, that comes here because he had a fall. You have I believe, is it physical and occupational too? Yes. So you have therapists that come here and I believe they come here how many times a week? Four days a week. It's for the, it's for the program, the, the one month, the four week program of uh, right. loud, it's called big and loud, which is very effective. Yeah. So we have that. Uh, Miles leaves about one thirty. And also depending because we kind of kind of care give to your daughter also, who is now, how old is she, honey? I believe she, she was 30. She's 30. I think she was 28 when yeah. she had a stroke. Yeah, and she had she stroke had and young... MS at the same time. Right. And she has three very young children. So we she has help as far as other people, but we kind of pull in when it comes to her doctor's appointments sometimes because you being her father and being um knowledgeable about you know drugs and stuff she kind of, i think she feels more comfortable if right. you go with the appointment so then i drive 
I have to take Miles, I have to drive you, we have to pick her up, and she also has a child that, uh, Leah, and she's only, what, three years old? Right. So between, <laughs> all of us will pile up in a van <laughs> and go to Jennifer's appointment, so we do that sometimes. So and Now you have your mother on the phone. And then my mother <laughs> About five times a day. Basically, lately, five times a day because she has uh, she was diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer, and she has a home and I mean she has a roommate that's living there that we found a young man by the name of Mohammed, which I love because she, it's not a companionship, but it kind of helps her out financially. Uh, yeah, he rents a room there. Yeah, he rents a room there, which and he keeps me in contact as far as how she's doing it. And it makes me feel better that she's not alone. Plus I have a cousin who takes her to errands and me and her kind of, um, we get together on all the appointments and everything. So I kind of do that also. Right, and just to, for full disclosure, the, the 4.30 time that you get miles to watch, that's uh, not a hardship for you, That's that's actually, naturally a good time of the morning for you oh yeah it's not not that it's not a struggle no no not at all because uh when i was working at the hospital which i did for 14 years that i used to wake up that time automatically so it's my it's my modern i guess my automatic clock so i might as well be doing something like that and it helps my daughter and you know and sean out and everything which is great Right. So this is kind of what you do is sort of like the sandwich generation you hear about a lot. You, you're familiar with that expression, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard of the sandwich. Yeah, why, why don't you explain how that pertains to you? It's all, you have almost like sandwich generation plus. Yeah, kind of like a club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Because uh, usually if it's um, the sandwich generation, it would be you. Uh, a person with their 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 own family and then watching uh, a parent taking care of a parent helping out a parent whether they're helping out doing errands uh, doing appointments or just keeping tabs of stuff that that would be a sandwich generation right. mine's a little more right because I have miles yeah I have more stuff added to it right I guess the true definition of a sandwich generation is You've got the parents that are aging, and you've got the children coming back home oh, to, wow. to live. That's a uh, that's pretty common. It was always right. taking care of, it was always taking care of elderly parents, but the new thing is the children coming back, and you have them take care of them and support them, and also help out with their children. Yeah. So. And that's becoming very popular. Right. And even though you have Parkinson's, it doesn't make those responsibilities go away. No, it doesn't. That's the hard part, at least for me, that you have, you have expectations of ha- having take care of things like this, and you just can't always do it, but you just do the best you can. Yeah, we do the best we can when it comes to all that, all the... Right. When things come up, I, I guess what we've always said is that uh, me and you were... We're very flexible. Right. When things need to be changed or switched up, we kind of just roll with it. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast for caregivers is because, and that's why we're getting personal on things, just to set this, the tone that every, everybody's got similar issues and they don't always talk about it. So we're, we're going to talk about everything and uh, just see what happens because every, everybody's in the same boat. It's just a matter, it's a matter of what, what they need to do at the time. But uh, anybody that says their life's perfect, it's just they're not really telling the truth. Lies. <laughs> it's, not, it's not perfect. It's not easy. Right. But, uh, you know, there's bumps. But the good thing about me and you is we try to discuss everything. Doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we at least discuss it. Right. So, and that helps. Right. And you can't make it a, a, a hardship. No. It's not, it's not a death sentence. And that's, that's the one good thing about Parkinson's is once you get realize it's not a death sentence, it's more of a, a extreme, extreme difficult time doing things. Right. Like, I mean, you remember when you got diagnosed, I think we were both in shock. Right. For a while. Until yeah. A couple, we about got a month. Yeah. Yeah, then, then once you get on your right medication and you re- you get over the shock, you know, it's still bad. But like this weekend, I uh, I put put in an in-dash uh, electronic device in my car. So I was on my knees and stretched underneath the dashboard for a few hours. And when I got out of there, I couldn't even walk. My legs were totally frozen to the ground. So those are the things you have to, you can either let that bother you. Or sort of just brush it off as, you know, just the way things are. Correct. But people that let it bother them, they don't even leave the house. And that's, right. that's the biggest mistake. And I've mentioned that on our regular podcast. Right. So, okay. Um, so you want to uh, give a play out for, explain your, your future podcast, when it's going to be yeah. out, and uh, what you yeah. can talk about and things like that? Well... I'm hoping it'll be out. We're going to be busy this month of April. We have Mm -hmm. family coming over within, uh, what, eight days. Yep. We're going to have a lot of people. So it's not going to be until after that. So I want to say maybe May. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's uh, caregiversnpa.com. But once I get everything going, and you do your podcast every week. Right. So I'll... I'll kind of mention, you can kind of mention that, but that's what it's going to be. But also, um, my duties call, so I kind of have to get going here. Oh, is he awake? Yeah, I have a crying baby now. Okay. So my time is up. Okay, well, this is, this is a podcast. We talked about doing this for a while. Yes. And, um, yes, but at yeah. least we're going to keep it real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> full, full disclosure. Yes. So right. we'll see how it goes. It's, it's not that common. Somebody else used to do this. They stopped. So we're, we're trying to take up, take up the lead. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on the show, honey. All righty. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Duty calls. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>